Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat here on Draft Day 2022. So you know we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the NHL Draft as it goes off tonight at 7 o'clock with the first round tomorrow with rounds 2 through, what is it, 7 rounds? In the NHL, yes, seven rounds in the NHL draft, two through seven, next is tomorrow starting at 11 a.m., but as of right now, we're in the first round, we're getting ready for draft day part one. Horwat, do you love draft day for the NHL, or is it more something that you're like, listen, the players are great that are getting drafted, dreams come true for them, it's nice to see, I'm here for the trades, I'm here for the contract talk, I'm here for the news, because that is also a big part of it. So... <clears throat> Just like many other things in the NHL, uh, the draft is extremely hyped, extremely hyped up. We think we think things are going to happen. We think all these names are going to get picked. We think uh, these trades are going to happen. And then it's a complete dud. It happens every year. Let's just be honest with ourselves. It's like the all-star game. They're going to hype it up. They're going to add new things. And then you're sitting there watching it for five hours wondering what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, if Thankfully, it is back in person. That will at least be a bonus. Uh, it won't be that awful 2020 draft where the whole uh, where all of rounds two through seven took all day uh this will be different it still might be long it's still it still has a possibility it's possibility to be boring because let's just be honest the the concept of uh, man, one man coming out saying a name then handshakes and pictures that's a boring concept mm-hmm. but once we get out of the top three, if things might fall apart in terms of entertainment, because we know who the top three are going to be, it seems. And then everything after that could be a mystery. But also, it's not the deepest draft. So mm-hmm. there's not too much to look forward to in, in terms of names going places. Next year is supposed to be the deeper one. But overall, it means we have stuff to talk about. We have stuff to mm-hmm. overanalyze. We have stuff to underanalyze. And... Maybe some some trades happen. Maybe contracts get done. I don't know. I'm expecting kind of a dud again, to be honest. 
Listen, I, I would have agreed with you that we all knew who the top three were going to be. And then Corey Pronman from The Athletic, that sneaky guy, just goes in and throws his final mock draft out. And Shane Wright is number four on his final mock draft to Seattle. But we all expect Shane Wright, Uri Slavkovsky, and Logan Cooley, of course, to be in that top three. I'm excited to see where Cooley goes. Of course, everybody's talked about Pittsburgh native, was in the first iteration of the Sidney Crosby Learn to Play camp, the first person from that camp to make it to the NHL or will be I should say but I'm excited to see where he goes a lot of people think he's going to Arizona which apologies already but uh, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins side of things the Penguins do have their first round pick as of now it is draft day things could happen but as of right now they slot in at pick number 21 for later tonight Horwat. I'll ask you first because I got a bunch of names I've been looking at it for about two months now and at that point you start to overanalyze but who do you think the Penguins should go after at 21 if he's available tonight? I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to butcher the name probably, but he's the defenseman out of Moose Jaw. I know you wrote about him at one point. Denton mm-hmm. uh, Matejchuk? Matejchuk? That's, that, that's what I'm going with, Matejchuk. Matejchuk, cool. Uh, because our, which is position-wise we'll get into in a minute too, our defensive prospect depth is lacking. We thought our forwards were bad, our defense is worse. Uh, we're kind of basing our defensive prospects on P.O. Joseph and then possibilities. There's nothing much there. Behind, I mean, behind P.O. Joseph, like, I spoke highly of Cam Lee last prospect camp. Oh, that was a prospect camp, and I don't think he had the greatest season following. Um, Joshua Maniscalco was a college signing that was supposed to pan out, ended up playing in the E. So who knows exactly what's going on there. And then beyond that, Will Riley is supposed to be okay. Uh, but again, these are all just magic beans. We don't exactly know what's going to happen or if anyone's going to work out. Um, so we need we need a sure a sure shot, sure fire defensive prospect to join the system. Uh, left or right hand shot, by the way. I'm not too worried about mm-hmm. that right now because it's a prospect. They have a couple years to redefine the defense. Um, but this guy Denton Matejchuk, I have to remember the name now. Uh, he's shorter, but I think we can get past the five eleven defenseman. I mean, yeah, it's we have Chad Ruedel on there. Not that, not making that comparison, but five um, eleven does not mean you're short, really. Um, well, especially when we're, we're I'm sitting here at five eight. I'm like, yeah, five eleven is tall, but yeah, for the NHL, it's a little undersized, especially for defensemen. Yeah, but looking around, I mean, the guy's a puck mover for sure. In the WHL, this isn't the Q. In the W. Uh, 13 goals, 51 assists for 64 points in 65 games. A bit more of a defensive-heavy league uh, in the W. Being able to put up those kind of points is pretty solid. And certain draft boards had him going top 10. So to have him slip down to 21, uh, that's a bonus. That's a benefit and something to keep an eye on. Again, it's not the deepest draft. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to find top 10 guys, top 10 quote-unquote guys, that could reach the 20s to 30. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but I think that would be my uh, main focus right now because I want to build this uh, defensive prospect pool. Yeah, I'm on the same same path as you. Matejchuk is somebody that I highlighted twice, it, once a month ago as somebody that I was looking at early on. And as I kept looking, I just started to like this guy a little bit more. You mentioned he is a little undersized, but look at some of the best defensemen in the league right now. Who just won the Norris Trophy? Kale McCarr, he's not a giant. Neither is Adam Fox, who won it last year. So size isn't necessarily a determining factor for me. 
I think he's a really skilled guy. And I think, like you said, the Penguins are in desperate need of a defensive prospect. But moving on from him, the next guy that I have on my list is Rutger McGroarty. He's from the U.S. National Development Program. He has some skating issues, which is a little bit wary because we, we've gone through that with both Sam Poulin and Nathan Legare. That was what kept Poulin off of the World Canada team for World Juniors a couple of years ago. But I do like what I've seen from Rutger McGroarty. Like I said, I, I don't dive extremely deep, but the last month I've been I've been looking into it. He has that skating issue, but really good hockey IQ, similar to what you get from Jake Gensel. Again, that's the, the nearest comparable, not the fact that he's going to be Jake Gensel, but a good hockey IQ, has solid defensive mindset as well. So that's really good from him. And, you know, playing, playing on that U.S. National Development Program team where you see guys like, you know, Logan Cooley, who's coming from that. I think he's also played with some very skilled players. So I like him as well. He's been talked about in a couple of different mock drafts. The one that I mentioned, Corey Pronman of The Athletic. In his mock draft, he has the Penguins selecting Danila Yurov from Russia. Now, Yurov is a top 10 talent, according to a lot of scouts in this draft. But a lot of teams are a little put off by taking somebody from the KHL. Because Yurov has been playing in the KHL the last two seasons, both in the K and the MHL, which is their minor league program. But he plays for Magnitogorsk, which is Evgeny Malkin's hometown. So there is a little bit of a connection there. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up a Russian because that... So the whole situation that is going on with uh, the Flyers prospect goalie, I forget his name now, but you if you haven't looked into the story, you should. It's uh, it It shows a lot of what's going on right now with Russia and how they're treating hockey players and also the Kirill Kaprizov thing is happening. Mm -hmm. um, so don't be surprised if a ton of teams, I, I would hope the Penguins included, uh, just have Russian players on a do not draft list, not because there's anything wrong with these players, but just because you don't know if you're getting that player. You straight up do not know if they are going to be able to leave the country for a multitude of reasons. It's, isn't again like i said it's not because they're bad at hockey or because of what russia is doing it is because of how russia is handling these guys they the russian government what they're doing are making an example out of uh the flyers goaltender i cannot remember his name now but they're making an example out of him if you look into the story um it's not good they're not letting him go anywhere he's kind of screwed over there i think he's in the arctic right now like as part of the Russian military. I think they forced him into the Russian military because mm -hmm. um, it was either that or arrest, and he's been forced to go there. It is now kind of sending a message to these 17- and 18-year-old kids in Russia that want to go play in the NHL but might not be able to. Um, listen to the Steve Dangle podcast segment on it. I forget what episode it was, but... Uh, they talk about it in a little more detail and probably a little more clear than I have, my, than I am. But I would avoid Russian players just because you don't know if you're going to get them. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong. Like, I don't have to look into analytics numbers on these guys. I'm sure they're great players. And I'm sure they will get their break in the NHL one day. Uh, that day just doesn't seem to be this year or today. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's just too scary right now. And I understand that there is a history of Russian players having to get over to the NHL in less than spectacular ways. I mean, and we've seen it look and it was less, you know, violent and dramatic yeah. with Malkin, but uh, things are getting worse. 
I was going to go with the Alexander McGillney thing first, because if you go back and look at his story, which again, a couple weeks ago, we had the Hall of Fame announcement and McGillney was once again snubbed. I, I, we got to know why, because if you look at people that changed the game for the better, Alexander McGillany, what he went through and the player that he was, I mean, he scored 70 plus goals one season, but it's a similar thing now from that McGillney situation that was coming out of the USSR at that point, still just dealing with the, the ramifications of the cold war. Now we're with Russia and Ukraine and everything going on. It, it's similar tempers that are flaring between Russia and the United States. So it is going to be a difficult situation. But if you have looked at him, I mean, he's a very, very talented player. Jesse Marshall put out a couple video reviews yesterday on Twitter. I suggest you go take a look at that. But uh, that is who, as of right now, for the Athletic, the final mock draft has the Penguins selecting Danila Yurov of the KHL. But there's two other players I wanted to mention before we get into positional need really quickly. And they're players that, I'm going to tell you right now, they're probably not going to be drafted by the Penguins. But if they're available, they should be drafted by the Penguins. The reason that they won't be is because it doesn't seem like Ron Hextall is really the type of guy that wants to go out on a limb, especially a guy that had his job questioned early in the offseason. But I like Connor Geeky. There have been some drafts that have had him go as low as 26-27 projected drafts. He's also gone as high as number 10. So I don't know where he's going to land. But he reminds me of a Jordan Stahl type. Really tall guy, a little awkward with his skating. That's something that would need to be rounded out. But it's automatic if he's available. I mean, he has an older brother that's in the NHL, scored two goals against the Penguins when he was part of the Carolina Hurricanes, now in the Seattle Kraken organization. But I really think that this is a guy who played for the Winnipeg Ice, played with Matthew Savoy, so he's played with top talent at his age. He's a guy that is is very, very intriguing if he'll be available. The other one, and I know our buddy uh, Doug Ladke will swoon if the Penguins select him, and that's Brad Lambert out of Finland. He's a guy that is a really weird case because last year was not good. I think he scored... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks, it looks brutal. Only Those a couple points. Brutal. Yeah. I mean, and he did go... To World Juniors, he did look really good. Five points in two games. Then, of course, it got canceled. So, who knows what would have happened there. There's also some off-the-ice stuff from what I've read. He had low production last season. He's a weird case. But, again, if you're looking at pure talent, he's a guy that if you can rein it in, if you can put it together, there's a very high ceiling there. So, definitely a lot of options that we, we've said. I think, honestly, the one that you mentioned is the one that, obviously, I've written about a couple times, Denton Matejchuk. That's the guy that I would really like to see the Penguins draft later on tonight. It would be. The, the, all the names you mentioned, too, um, are not bad options, either. We do we, Any position, in reality, aside from goalie, I think, um, is good to build for us. Mm-hmm. For the Penguins because there is not much to speak of in any of the spots. There's not too many decent forwards anymore. Uh, we're building through trades, it seems. There's not too many defenders at all. Uh, we just need names. So picking anyone up would be a solid benefit. Um, Rutger McGordy, first of all, phenomenal name. Draft him <laughs> for that. Could be a decent spot. Could have a decent spot in this organization as well and have a good future with us. Uh, the Brad Lambert, it's a hell of a finish name, but could absolutely turn into something if he's able to find the game that 
uh, made him perform at the World Juniors. Looking at those numbers, he was playing. He's I forget how old he is now, but he was playing in the Finnish professional league, mm-hmm. not the minor, the professional league. That's you know I don't know the skill set over there, but as a young kid, that's got to be hard to play in. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he was making lineups over there at least stands for something. It is just a matter of now turning the produ- the production up a little bit and creating yourself, uh, giving yourself a chance to. Uh, perform at a higher level but I do just want to focus on the defense for right now we have forwards that can do something um and we like out when we like we usually like trading around for our NHL level forwards Mm -hmm. and I think that trend's going to continue at least for a couple more seasons so build the defensive core find something that in the future that we have to retool Uh, go from there have your guys at the ready yeah, I, I agree with that. And if, if you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins draft this coming weekend, obviously we talked about the first round pick ad nauseum because it's the most important one. It's the one that the Penguins haven't had since 2019 when they selected Sam Poulin, number 21 overall. So there's a little bit of a, a connection there. But they also have four other picks that'll be happening on Friday. Round four, they pick 118th overall, round five, 150th, round six, 182nd. And their final pick in round seven will be the 214th overall selection of the 2022 NHL draft. You mentioned the defense. I also think they need a little bit more at center depth. When you look at their centers, they just lost Casper Bjorkvist potentially to Finland. We don't know his situation, but if you look at it, it's, it's Hollander. And then it's basically it. I mean, there's a couple other guys, but there's no real top-tier centers. If you want to say Tristan Braz, who played last season at the University of Minnesota, who was the top pick for the Penguins in last year's draft, but still a second-rounder, you could say that. But at the same time, you need more in that top end at the center position. I think wing is where they're a little bit better off, but they need more at center and defense, like you said. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up immediately as well. Well, defense is the chief among them the priority here it then dips to the center depth because i just can't think of a name that plays center down there right now <laughs> didn't realize tristan Braz was a center good he's also now transferring to the university of denver i believe uh so it's it's questionable down there you need the right type of guys that again like i said with the defensive core it's a bunch of possibilities you need the sure shots at least one or two of them mm-hmm. that you know they don't have to be elite level players they can just they can be your hey they're gonna peak at a third line center sure fine it that means we have an nhl caliber potential player in our system Mm -hmm. because we don't have many of those it's been for how many consecutive years now that the penguins prospect pool has been amongst the lowest in the league Mm -hmm. we have to start building it whenever ron hextall and brian burke got here they said that was gonna be one of their priorities as well was building that pool so as much as some people might want to see us trade away the first round pick today, and I think I partially agree with them, depending on who you can get in return, mm-hmm. um, you have to still build something. Yeah, I know that we want to win now because of the possibility of contracts coming to an end or being extended for a couple seasons. We still have to build for a future. Mm-hmm. We This team's going to suck at some point. Yeah. We don't know when that is, but we can extend that. We can extend it and make us at least mediocre Mm -hmm. if we have some names that we can fall back on it's just a matter of building it maybe you find a diamond in the rough the penguins are not have not been phenomenal as of late in drafting in the first round granted they haven't had a lot of picks Mm -hmm. 
but the picks they've made have been ooh, scary. Um, but then there's the bargain picks that I think, at least for the Penguins in recent memory, have been the real winners. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that make the draft victories mm-hmm. rather than brutal defeats. Let's not forget Joseph Morrow, who was a first-round pick. Yeah. I mean, when you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is seventh-round pick Valtteri Pustinen. But we'll obviously get into all of that as time goes on. But we are going to take a quick break here. When we return, DeSmith has signed, Latang News, Malkin News, and we continue to talk about the NHL draft. We'll be right back. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Got Bush? You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. And these products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you will have the best-kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac. Save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code, ALLSTEALERS, for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game. The grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. Inside is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush's worst nightmare. It is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin thanks to a ceramic blade and advanced skin-safe technology. No need for night vision goggles, this trimmer has an LED light to allow you to mow your lawn even in the dark. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com if you use our code ALLSTEALERS. It's time you level up from the Amazon to the Amadong with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast presented as always by InsideThePenguins.com, as well as Manscaped. And let me tell you, we have a new Manscaped ad today. You guys just heard it. And the line that got me, and literally it, it took me a couple times to read it without laughing, was these products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush for yard, and then the fact that you have the best-kept nutsack in the cul-de-sac. That one got me. That works. That works. It, it does. The writers, I got I to gotta commend them. It's, it's a very good job. Yeah, no, it's that, that. It's not me. I can't take credit for that. I mean, the rhyming sack was sack, but hey, it works. Hey, listen, two different words. It's all counts. Yeah, but let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins news. Of course, the big news coming out this week was Casey DeSmith signed to a two-year contract. I do appreciate them announcing that after I put out a story about the Penguins having interest in Marc-Andre Fleury. But they signed Casey DeSmith two years, $1.8 million dollars is the average annual value that leaves the Penguins with currently $21.4 million in salary cap space with still, of course, Malkin and Latang, who we will talk about in a couple minutes, to go. Horwat, are you comfortable with, with DeSmith going forward as the backup goaltender? No. No, and I haven't been. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess you could say I'm more comfortable than, with him than Flurry just because of the term backup goalie. Yeah. We had this discussion. I'm not having it again. I'm going to keep having it probably anyway. Yeah. But in terms of Casey DeSmith himself, the number, fine. I don't care about the number because it is a low, good number. You know, 1.8, that's exactly what we should be paying for a backup goalie, mm-hmm. if not even a little under that. It is just the fact that he has been around forever. It looks like we're just running it back here. And 
he hasn't been the best. Sure, he had his bright spots this season, but it I, I, I just felt since he was having his uh, off start to the beginning of the year that we just need new blood back there. We need a new face. We need someone fresh who can just be a new name to sit behind Tristan Jari. Um, mm-hmm. Now Casey Desmet at the age of thirty, I have no, I don't have a ton of issues with it. I just wanted someone new. Again, he's going to get the job done as a backup. He just has to remain at his peak and mm-hmm. not be also not be hurt in the postseason come that time come april i don't know I, i'm okay with it i guess it's not i'm not blown away by it i'm not uh ec- ecstatic about it but uh, I, it could be worse it could be mm-hmm. worse it could be flurry in there <laughs> hey don't rule it out flurry could sign for a three-year 1.5 million dollar deal and this could just be to have Cards in hand and trade to Smith because if you look at the rest of the goaltending market, that's why I think this this move was made was because if you look at it, you're not going to get a backup goaltender this year or at least one of the caliber of Casey DeSmith, which I know a lot of people don't want to admit it. He's pretty solid back there. When he's at his best, he's really solid. When he's at his worst, he's he's scary bad. But if he can find that consistency, which he did later in the season, then I'm comfortable with it. I, I would have liked some new blood in there as well. I do agree with that. But after his first seven games, which took until, I believe, the mid-January to get through that first seven games because he just didn't play very much, he finished 8-3-4 and four with a 9.22 save percentage, 2.26 gold as a loud average, and two shutouts, including, or not including, I should say, a game one in which he played and made 48 saves on 51 shots against the New York Rangers in a playoff game his NHL Stanley Cup playoff debut. So do I hate the fact that Casey DeSmith is backed? No. Would I have liked to see a little bit at New Blood? Yeah, but I also am not upset that we have a backup goaltender signed for $1.8 million. And a lot of people are going to say, how does he deserve a raise? Listen, it's the economy of, of, of the NHL. Everybody usually gets a raise if they don't absolutely stink. Kapanen won't get a raise. But a guy like Casey DeSmith, who did turn it around and did show that he has some potential to be a solid backup, he's going to get a raise. I'm just happy it's under $2 million. As long as it's under 2 I'm not, ex- super, not super excited that it was a raise, but, man, it, there's a lot that goes into this one, really. It's, we wanted someone new. He's not the greatest as a backup, but can get, at least get the job done. And that's all you can ask for. Just get the job done. Stay healthy. I mean, that goes for all of our goalies. Stay healthy. Yeah. But still. Especially when the time is most important because Casey DeSmith now the past two postseasons has not been available for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's the biggest downfall of DeSmith, if you, if you ask me. But the only other thing I want to say is this is the first goalie domino to fall. There's a lot of dominoes that are about to fall for the goalie market. There's Kemper. There's Flurry. There's, I believe, Jack Campbell in Toronto. We have to see how all of that pans out. When those numbers come in, I have the feeling that Casey DeSmith's $1.8 million is going to look like a much better deal. It's going to end up being, of those names you just listed, it's going to end up being the lowest number. But Well, e- easily, easily. But also, you look at like Dave Riddich, guys like that. If Riddich gets more than DeSmith, then DeSmith's deal looks great. So that is a piece of business that, that Ron Hextall has completed. Let's move over to some business that he hasn't completed. And starting with Chris Letang, because... Yesterday, Ron Hextall spoke to media and said, per Josh Yoey's where I saw it, that the deal with Latang could be done before they leave the draft in Montreal, of course, Latang's hometown. Horat, when you hear that, 
and you think about the fact that the current rumors are that the Penguins and Latang are between seven and eight million dollars and between four to five years in contract length. Are you upset with what you're hearing or do you think, hey, this is going to work out for the Penguins? I just like hearing that we're close to somewhere, close to something with someone, that we're, get, we're moving along, that he's that we have heard that before we leave Montreal, you leave Montreal in two days. Well, now two days. It was like three days. That sounds good to me. Uh, now we all sit here patiently waiting to see what happens. I think, again, the, the latest numbers we've heard have been good. Not you know, not super high, not super low. They've been good. The term, yeah, I've come around to it recently. So sure, go for it because um, he can. It seems like he can do it. And if he starts to falter, hey, make sure he's okay with dropping to a lower line. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still gonna be serviceable. Still, ha- still have uses. Um, just make sure he's ready for that. So I have no problem with the term anymore, um, as long as the money is right and not egregious. Absolutely. And again. Recent, most recent numbers we've heard are pretty good, and having it done within 48 hours also seems a lot better. Mm-hmm. Listen, it's all but announced at this point, right? Eh, you never know. Considering where they're at right now, it is it is all but announced. I mean, four to five years, seven to eight million. And we all know, and we talked about it on Monday's episode on the 4th of July... That he, he had 7.25 last year. He's not going to take a pay cut. He's not going to take the same money. So you're within $750,000 on an all-time defenseman for your organization between four to five years. Just give him the five, call it a day, and realize that the first three years of that are should be very good. At least the first year of it is going to be really good. So you know what? Give him that deal, especially, and we'll get to it, considering what Malkin is getting ready to be willing to take money-wise. Give him that extra year. Do whatever you need to do, especially because all of these players, I think it's been over-dramatized, the downfall of these players, and, and we're already putting them down in the grave before they're even close to it. Like, Chris Letang had his best season of his career last year. At the age of, what, 35, 34? Yeah, the last two years, most likely, if you look at the law of averages, probably aren't going to be the greatest years. But... He can't fall to the point where he's useless. He can't fall to... I mean, I mean, P.K. Subban did. But even P.K. Subban was a serviceable third-pairing defenseman last year. So you know what? Just just pull the trigger. Get it done. Because there's other moves that need to be made this offseason. There are. And you under, now that you've signed Russ, now that you've signed DeSmith, you see the number you're working with. And that is about $21 million. Um, apparently, they want to get him and... Uh, Malkin within a tw- within a fourteen million dollar range. Well, that doesn't leave you a ton of room to work after, but it is at least under what we have. It's not going mm-hmm. to it's not going to totally handcuff us. It might um, put on a little ball and chain, but we can get some movement going. There can be some negotiations to happen after. Completely eliminates swinging for the fences, but that's fine, I guess, if that's what we're doing. I think the fact that we're this close with Latang is a bonus. You mentioned all the right things. He's going to be good at least this year. He's going to be good at least next year. Then things might start to falter just because of age, hard miles, 30 minutes a night. All these things will come into effect. But he's going to be productive. He's the only Penguin to ever have their career year at the age of 35. Not too many other players ever can say that, let alone Penguins themselves. Um the fact that he was the priority was correct, and now that he's about to be done is even better. Again, 
Watch it out for the next 48 hours. All the numbers look good. So with that, let's move over to Evgeny Malkin because you probably don't have to worry about his contract being signed the next 48 hours. Hextall actually said yesterday when asked, is it going to be done? Are you confident that it's going to be done before the July 13th start of free agency? And he said, I would not say that at all. So it seems like they're still fairly far apart. And shout out to Rob Rossi of The Athletic for getting all of the inside information on Evgeny Malkin. What else is new? Rossi is great at everything of Getty Malkin. He's kind of the, the leading source on Evgeny Malkin, as it were. But Rob Rossi reported that Malkin's numbers and feelings are not looking great. The latest offer to Malkin before Tuesday was two-year deal at $6 million. And the biggest thing for me is Malkin was willing to take that money, but he wanted four years because he wants to retire a Penguin. It seems like that has been the priority for Latang and Malkin. Not just that, yeah... We don't want to be paid like we're second rate, like we're bottom tier, like we're already moving to the bottom of our abilities. But they want to retire a Penguin. It seems like that's something that both of them wanted to get done this year. Yeah, that is absolutely what they want to do. And that has been the plan. Let's just be honest. That has been the plan since the second we lost to the Rangers. That they want to, that all parties involved want to extend with the Penguins. That all parties involved want them to retire from in Pittsburgh. It has now just come down to the negotiations. One thing that I can't believe we have never talked about in this whole situation is when we're discussing the money. Um, sure, Malkin getting six is a little low, uh, but for four years, uh, it might work out. Is anyone willing to give someone on this team more money than Sidney Crosby? I know they did it with Evgeny Malkin for the last however many years. But at this point now, are you like I should have brought this up in the Latang conversation? Are you willing to give Chris Latang more than eight point seven? No, I'm not. So that should be your cap. That should be the cutoff. That we can't believe we've gone how many weeks? We're at the draft and we have not discussed <laughs> that once. I have yeah. not thought of it. You have not thought of it. I have not seen it brought up anywhere. I feel like that's just understood though. Like, yeah, it's been so long. Malkin, if he's taking a pay cut, it's going to be below that 8.7. And it's just like, I don't think anybody thought, yeah, somebody should get paid more than Sidney Crosby now. I think maybe because we were so used to Malkin getting more than Crosby all this time that maybe we just kind of faded it out of our minds. But regardless, at this point now, 8.5 even should be the ceiling for both for both guys. Um, but having that 6 Having a $6 million number for Evgeny Malkin at whatever level of play he is, that's great. Four years? Uh, we can discuss that one in four years' time. Hopefully there's no clauses on that. Not Hopefully there's no clauses on that. I'd be willing to trade Malkin if we needed to. But um, I guess the, uh, the idea of lining all these contracts up with the Crosby deals, out the window. Gone. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard three in a long time for either of these guys. Three years, that is. Yeah, it, that seems to be gone. But at the same time, don't we expect Crosby to sign a new deal after that? Small, short? He hasn't said anything about it, but I think we both have that feeling. It's because he has three years left. He's got three years to not talk about it. But yes, yeah. I think that might be part of it. Uh, that's kind of why you're okay with giving Latang that extra two. Like Maybe Crosby signs an extra two in three years. Um I wouldn't push Malkin to five. That's just me. Uh, give him four if you really do need to. Make sure it is that $6 million number, though. I'd give him four. I mean, mm -hmm. it might be hard. He'd be 39, and 
maybe the third line center behind insert name here. But I think this team's got it would be a weird team seeing your three main guys over the age of 40 or 38 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a scary thought, really. I mean, mm-hmm. does that team sound competitive to you? Not really. Uh, but Crosby's a generational talent. Malkin was a generational talent and still has very good talent. Chris Letang seems to be a generational talent. If they can hold on to some sort of skill it, while they might be old, they're still competitive somehow. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm fine with separating them if they need to be separated in terms of their term. Like, let's say Sid goes three, Latang goes five, Malkin goes four. So be it. That's fine by me. The other thing that was mentioned, too, was that Malkin feels disrespected yes. by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Because, one, he expected a contract to be settled during the season this past year. It was highlighted by Rossi in the piece. That's obviously where we're getting this from as well. That his last contract was signed a full year prior to him becoming a free agent. So he feels disrespected because he expected the contract to be settled. And he feels like there's been a lack of respect given to him being offered those low-term and low-value deals, which is understood. I mean, I, I believe it that he would be. And I also see why he would be as well. So or what do you agree that he should feel disrespected by what Ron Hextall and the Pittsburgh Penguins have been offering up to him and by the fact that we are already at the draft and he expected to be signed months ago. So yeah, he should be disrespected by the numbers probably just because he knows what he's worth and every player does know what they're worth. Um, it's difficult whenever he is an aged player and it, you don't you don't want to give out legacy contracts. You don't. You want to sign your guy because he's going to earn your team that many dollars worth, basically. Mm-hmm. So the legacy contract part of it, it's hard because he is a legacy player. He's, you know, 35, 34, 35, and mm-hmm. putting up lower numbers than he used to, but is still the namesake. I don't think he should feel slighted by, by terms of... Um, when the contract is, has gotten done. By now, maybe a little. I think the idea of getting it done during the season, um, that's just a business thing. That's just mm-hmm. business. Things can happen. You want to protect your assets the correct way. Um, nothing against Malkin there. He shouldn't feel slighted about... I mean, at this point, yes, maybe, because it is the draft. I don't think he should be upset that he didn't get it during the season. That's just me. Because, again, things can happen during the season. You're coming off of back-to-back knee surgeries. Mm-hmm. Things. Let's say you bust up your knee again, and you had already signed for four years. Well, now what do we do? Now we're locked in. Mm-hmm. You know. So, from a business standpoint, he shouldn't feel slighted about not getting the contract during the season. Now that we have made it out and we're at the draft, maybe a little bit, just because uh, I think he also might be upset that he wasn't the priority. You never know. See, see, but I feel like if he, if he was, it would have been in that article. Yeah. Because Rob Rossi released a lot of stuff that nobody had known and nobody like nobody knew that Malkin was feeling disrespected. And, and honestly, on the business side of it, I'm going to push back and say he should feel disrespected. Because guess what? If he is willing to make $6 million a year, he has over a point a game. If you look at his last three seasons, he's far above a point per game. For a $6 million player, you're not going to get a better deal than that. If he wants two extra years, give him the two extra years. I agree with you that when you're making these contract decisions, you should not pay money-wise 
for what projection is. You should, you should, or you should pay from what the projection is, not from what he did. But the years wise, I can understand it from this standpoint. It's not like saying, hey, Brooks Orpic, we had to give him an extra eight years because he's a legacy player. No, because it's Brooks Orpic. This is Evgeny Malkin. This is a Hall of Famer. If he wants two extra years, give him the two extra years. And I can see why that $4 million, and it, it coincides with Crosby too. I can see Crosby saying after three years, I could do one more. I could do one more. So that's why they probably want four, so they don't have to all worry about trying to get re-upped at the same time. But at the same exact time, I, I feel why he's disrespected is because, hey, I'm still over a point per game player. And there's questions about my health, sure. He has not played a full season in a long time. He hasn't played over 70 games in a long time. But guess what he has been available for? The Stanley Cup playoffs every single time. Is that not what matters most right now? Get to the postseason, get a healthy Malkin, and off you go. And and when if he plays 50 games and scores 60 points, who cares about that other 33 is long, or 32 games? As long as you get to the playoffs and he is healthy. It's the inverse of Casey DeSmith. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. LTIR him, LTIR him. Like, that, that's an option, but even if, like, we're not saying he's going to get injured, but that's what people are saying. Like, hey, he's injury prone, he's old. If he's available for the playoffs, he scored, what, six points in seven games in the postseason. He's still effective. Just give, and if, if all it is is two extra years for a $6 million for a point-per-game player, then do the freaking deal. I, I can see why he's disrespected by them literally clutching on to two years of a contract for a guy that... Even if he is half a point a game player, as Evgeny Malkin, that's a great third liner. Let's uh, also just, let's be honest and have this hard pill to swallow. You want to know who else is an injury-prone player? Sidney Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> let's, less less so recently yeah. than Malkin has been, but yeah, still. Yeah. Has that history. He has that history. So, and Latang. Let's, again, just tell it like it is. All three of these guys, I put up four fingers, all three of these guys, um are injury-prone players, have injury histories, have extensive time in the medical room. It's, But you're still willing to pay Sidney Crosby as much as he wants. And you still will probably be able to say that in three years. We're all coming around to giving Latang just about whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Why not? I see where you're coming from. Why not the same with Malkin now? Because he's a little hurt. I think maybe because we've seen his production dip the most out of the three. Mm-hmm. That might be part of it. Um, but you know, I, I see where everyone is coming from in all of this uh, and Malkin feeling slighted management wanting to wait until the season ends just because of injuries and, uh, production declines. I get every side of it. Negotiations are hard. Yeah. And it's, it, again, I just feel like even if we lose Malkin, we have options. We, get, we can go out. We'll have the money to go out and do something. Um, Latang seems all but done, which is good. And that's the positive note. And as for Malkin, let's say we resign him. Cool, we got him resigned. Let's say we don't. Let's go out and hit those free agents. Well, before we move on, I do want to say you mentioned it earlier in passing. Penguins want to finish these two contracts at around fourteen million dollars. Eight million for Latang, six million for Malkin gets that done. Yeah, doesn't leave so, us a ton of room for other people, but you know what? You got leaves- the priorities. It leaves $7.4 million. Think about the fact that they're talking about trading one of their $4 million defensemen 
So you could have around, we'll say $10 million because you don't know what you're retaining. You don't know what's coming back on the other end. So they'll have another around $10 million. They'll need at least two more forwards, specifically a top six guy. I see them signing one guy for four to $5 million on the offensive side and leaving that last spot for a, for a, uh, a young player like Valtteri Pustinen, who gets his second mention of this podcast. Getting it in there. But let's finish this off with our shout-outs and call-outs. Horwat, who are you shouting out today? Uh, I do want to shout out, and I have to, I have to pull up all my stuff and then uh, search for it. The Icon Golf Series. Have you seen this yet? I saw Ben Roethlisberger was balling out at it. That's about it. He and Michael Phelps won, uh, I forget, it was like the team tournament or whatever it may have been, the duos. Um, have you seen some of the names that are part of it, though? Or at least were part of this last tournament with Ben Roethlisberger. I did not. No. I know uh, the the really good soccer player. Why well, can't Harry Kane? Harry Kane, I believe. Yes, yeah. Harry Kane right there. Um, some of the other names that were part of this, though, I mean, there was Michael Vick, Marshall Falk, Ivan Pudge Rodriguez, um, <laughs> John Schmoltz, J.R. Smith, Michael Strahan, Reggie Bush. We said Michael Phelps already. And then um, a ton of uh, foreign athletes that I I know uh, Ben played with, a couple of cricket players. Um, I don't recognize a ton of the names, but there were so many just former athletes that it made your head spin. The, um, the icon series quoted Greg Norman uh, around the same time when I was talking. You know, Greg Norman was tweeting about Liv. Um, and the Icon Series said they, ha- in their tournament, had 29 Olympic gold medals, six Hall of Famers, two NBA championships, six Super Bowls, three tennis grand slams, an American League MVP, um, a Champions League win, and a boxer. It's there was a lot going on in former yeah. athletes on this co- in this competition, and uh, Big Ben came out on top. So it was that was just entertaining and. More stuff like that is uh, what's really cool. Gotta love seeing Big Ben in retirement, just still going out there, scratching that competitive itch and being the best damn athlete in the entire universe, apparently. But uh, I'm going to shout out Dana Heinze, former equipment manager now of the Pittsburgh Penguins, retired this week after 33 years in professional hockey. And Horwat, you wrote the article, so I know you know it. He started off. And good old Johnstown, Pennsylvania as the equipment manager for the Johnstown Chiefs of the ECHL. So always nice, especially because he's, he's a native of Johnstown. He had his jersey retired by Westmont Hilltop High School. So it's great to see Dana getting all the love. And honestly, it's been a fantastic career for him. Spent 16 seasons with the Pittsburgh Penguins as a four-time Stanley Cup champion equipment manager, once with the Tampa Bay Lightning and three times with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So shout out to Dana. That's my... Sh- that's my uh, that's my guy. I love Dana Hines. It's incredible stuff. Two, th- how many professional games? Like two thousand, over two thousand, over two thousand professional hockey games. That's that, only you know managers, coaches, stuff like that can reach that kind of number. And it's regardless, it's still impressive. Listen, the wear and tear of fixing Sidney Crosby's jockstrap has eventually run its course. Yeah, you can only do it for so long. <laughs> Because, I mean, and, and um, that's not supposed to be an insult. Like, if anybody's watched Pittsburgh is home, that is a full-time job in and of itself. It, it really is. It truly is. And it's just a ton of – and good for him. Dana Hines has just been behind that bench. He he didn't do it – I don't think he did it as of recently, but he used to take pictures of the locker room every day too. 
with yeah. all the jerseys hung up, getting ready for uh, game stuff, just equipment, just awesome letting you get inside the room a little more mm-hmm. uh, stuff from him. And that, and that is, and that is beyond the work he did with the penguins themselves. Yeah. Apparently the penguins will be honoring Dana Heinze at a game next year. If I can get to that game, I'd be very happy to, but if not, I mean, still congratulations to Dana on a fantastic career. I'm going to call out the Cleveland Browns though. Yeet. Y'all got fleeced, man. I mean, I know Baker Mayfield is not a top 10 quarterback in the national football league. Cause he is not, but if he's healthy, He's certainly a starting caliber quarterback, which is better than what the Browns are going to be trotting out there in week one, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, nothing against Brissett. He's a decent backup. But if he's starting all 17 games for the Browns, at the very least, I know the Steelers won't finish in last place this year. Uh, Good for the Carolina Panthers, though, because they get him at a discount for only a fifth-round pick, and that's probably the best quarterback they've had since prime Cam Newton. So it ends their need for Sam Darnold. I don't got to watch him. I don't have to watch Walker, who was the former XFL quarterback i can't remember his first name right now but good for the carolina panthers him and and christian mccaffrey let's see what they can do together in this season but the browns like i said they're gonna have jacoby Brissett. what a joke and he who shall not be named that brown season's gonna be fun uh, yeah listen and that's also why i'm calling them out because they didn't do their due diligence and now they're they're eating the repercussions of every day keeps getting worse with the browns yep yeesh yikes um, I, I want to call out, you may have noticed we haven't talked about it yet, but the uh, NHL announced each team's schedules. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy, is it brutal. Not just for the Penguins. It's bad across the league in a couple of different terms. Um, first of all, the Penguins play... Think of the... if Real quick, you. Name the uh, biggest Penguins rivalries. Philadelphia Flyers, Washington Capitals. We play both of them three times. Yep. You know how many we played the New York Rangers four, but we played them three times in a week. Three out of four games. Yep. What is that? That's the part that bugs me. I don't care that we start the season against Arizona. Whatever. I don't care that much that we then immediately go on a West Coast road trip. That's kind of hard in October, but whatever. Get it out of the way, I guess. But you're. I get that maybe. <laughs> The Rangers are the up-and-coming team, right? They are. They're the yes. young team that's going to draw the eyes. They're New York, and they're yeah. playing as the Penguins, a legacy team who still has a ton to play for. The Flyers suck, you know? Sure, it's a huge market, but they suck. The Capitals, they're making the playoffs, but, man, they haven't looked the same. So, like, maybe it's a money ploy from ESPN to you're going to put these teams against each other more often because let's just be real it's more competitive hockey it's more entertain it's a more entertaining game to watch okay why is the battle of alberta only happening three times yeah it it's a weird formula why are the rangers and islanders only playing three times like did seattle screw up the scheduling that much i thought a 32nd team would make things a little easier it should sounds like a more round number Uh, it's well it's it's as simple as this Seattle coming into the league means you have to take two games away from some other portion of the schedule. How about the other conference in the East or the other division? The other in the division East? in the East. I don't know why that was so difficult. Yeah, take all of take all of them away from from the Metro versus Atlantic matchups. How many? Not the Metro versus Metro. How many times do we play Tampa? I I, I don't get into no every one's single no one's sent out a breakdown. I feel like we play Tampa. They play a lot. in game two. Yeah, 
I feel, second game of the season. How about we play Tampa twice? Or who else is down there? Boston twice. Although we play Boston in, uh, in Fenway. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, another scheduling issue. We talked about this a long time ago, though. January 2nd at 2 p.m.? Yeah. Let's yeah. that's, that's go back to work day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's... I have my gripes with this with this uh, schedule. M- prime, prime among them being just... Why are the rivalries getting deflated? I get yeah. that the teams aren't good anymore, but looking around the league... Uh, the Battle of Alberta just put on, despite how short it was, a pretty entertaining playoff series. Mm-hmm. Why are they not getting four games? Yeah, it, there's a lot of issues with the NHL schedule. Not a lot of people are very happy with it, but I want to end this episode on this. I don't know the plan for Logan Cooley. I don't know if he's NHL ready. From what I've heard, the only player that is NHL ready in that top three is Uri Slavkovsky. But everybody has been saying that Logan Cooley is probably going to go number three to the Arizona Coyotes. Could Logan Cooley's NHL debut be on opening night (laughs) at PPG Paints Arena? Pittsburgh kid making his NHL debut for the Coyotes at the Penguins. That is where I want to leave you with because we started with the draft. It is draft day. And let's end it with the draft. Logan Cooley versus Sidney Crosby, night one of the Pittsburgh Penguins season. I like it. How about the quick story from Logan Cooley that his flight to Montreal got canceled and his family had to drive? Eight-hour drive. Good for them. That's commitment. Yeah. I mean, well, are you going to miss the most important moment of your life because a flight was canceled? Hell no. You're getting there. No, absolutely not. But, I mean, also, it's that's commitment to get there. That's taking the time to get up there. And also, man, it's brutal taking flights these days. Yeah. Anyway, the draft, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully it's not boring. The draft coming up later tonight is round one. Penguins select 21st overall. Look for Denton Matejchuk, according to us, apparently, to be selected by the Penguins. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Hopefully, by the next time we come to you, at least as far as Hextall is concerned, wants to be done with the Chris Letang contract negotiations. So Monday, maybe that's what we're talking about. We'll see you guys next week. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.